Jurassic Park for a minute as we will be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And on this episode, we're back to start the week out, minute 72 of Jurassic Park 3. But David, before we get to that, uh, it's been a long time coming. We didn't get to do it at the start of the uh, film, but over at Jurassic-pedia.com, we have the full write-up on Ellie Degler, uh, formerly Sattler, um, which, again, like we've seen earlier with the uh, this Nublar write-up and some of the others, there's been a lot of work done here, a bit of a bio- biography on uh, her, her role here in uh, Jurassic Park 3. And even just her roles in uh, in Jurassic Park as well, and a full pretty much play-by-play of what she uh, mm-hmm. had to contribute to the franchise. Yep, another one of our big uh, rewrites. That one was, I think, of course, done by um, Trode and Promosis again. Yep. We've got to really thank him. And so we're really um, proud to have all these kind of big rewrites really done on the... Uh, on the encyclopedia. Mm. Interesting to read here that um, the the name Ellie was is usually a nickname for Ellen. Is is Grant the only one that calls her Ellie in Jurassic Park? I think pretty much everybody calls her Ellie. I don't think I've ever heard her called Ellen in the movies yeah. or the book, for that matter. Which this is all going to be very interesting, especially with the uh, the surname as well. I know. There's one of the biggest issues with with this film with fans is the fact that she's married someone else and not Grant. And with her possible return in Jurassic World 3, I wonder if she's going to keep the, the Degler name or return to Sattler and be divorced. I, knowing Colin, I dare say that's what would happen, but I'd hope they'd try and stay to canon. Yeah, I'm really hoping that they don't just do a another kind of senseless, pointless uh, retcon of and just to make the fans happy, you know? I mean, it happened. Acknowledge it. Don't don't just have her divorce for the sake of divor- divorce, you know? Yeah. Even, though, even though divorce is such a powerful theme in these movies. <laughs> you know, we, we, it's kind of overplayed at this point. Well, there's a there's a lead into the, the kid for uh, for Dress of World 3. We've had the um the split parents all through these films and it's always been the child of those split parents where here now we're going to have Charlie back as Grant and Ellie or Grant and Mark are split mm-hmm. mm. well, and we, we discussed at the start of the film where we met Mark and that how in, we, we know we've seen in the film that Grant sort of had the PSD and that and maybe Ellie wanted to do something but he was having nightmares and some uh, psychological issues because of what happened on New Blood originally so Still, it'd be good to see them both on screen again for Jurassic World 3. But yeah, head over to Jurassic-pedia.com and check out all the uh, the write-up, the full write-up for Dr. Ellie Sattler. Degler. <laughs> Dave, ready to go into 72? Yeah. As we went in minute 71 of Jurassic Park 3, the Spinosaurus was destroying the rear of the boat and had punctured the fuel tank at the rear of the boat. As we open on minute 72, the Spinosaurus realises that the humans are no longer there and begins to move around towards the front of the boat. It grabs the cage with its large hands and starts to try to lift the cage off the boat. At the five second mark, we cut to the backyard 
as Charlie's holding the phone. And Ellie asks, who's on the phone? Charlie replies, it's the dinosaur man. And Ellie picks him up and walks back inside, taking the phone from him. Back in the cage, Alan yells at everyone to check in the boxes to try and find a weapon. At the 23 second mark, the satellite phone starts to ring again, just after Alan opens a box and the flare gun drops to the floor. He searches around and finds the phone sliding on the side of the boat. He reaches out of the bars and grabs it just before it slides off into the river. Just as he does this, the Spinosaur pulls the cage free of the front of the boat, and suddenly they're sinking into the water. And as the cage is pulled underwater, Alan yells through the phone to Ellie, The river, Site B, the river, and then he's under, and everyone's holding their breath. At the 47 second mark, we cut back to Ellie as the phone goes dead. And from behind the kitchen table, Charlie holds up his little hands and goes, rah, rah, rah. And as the minute ends, we cut back to the river as the cage is tumbling towards the river bottom and the Spinosaur is fishing around the water, trying to find him. As we open on 72, the Spinosaur has uh, made its way to the front of the boat and as Paul looks out through the, uh, the barred cage, you can see those massive hands come down and grip either side of it, one on his side and the other one next to Amanda. I was going to comment on how big that hand is. I mean, there's like, how big do you, I mean, how wide across do you think that is? At least a meter? Yeah, it'd be three feet at least. And yeah. we know we know from earlier in the film, like when it puts those big hands on the plane and that, like it, it spans across a couple of the windows in the side of the plane. Plane, like this mm-hmm. thing hasn't got small arm syndrome like the T Rex. No, no, I mean these things are like beefy bodybuilder arms. Yeah, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that the Spinosaurus whacked the head right off the T Rex animatronic. You know. <laughs> yep. And just so look at these things; they're big, meaty claws. Mm. Which is a double purpose too. In the behind the scenes, we can see these. It's just the hands attached to the side of the uh, cage, which the with the anchor points to tow the tow the cage off the front of the boat later on. And yeah, and and that sort of leads to later on when we get it. It's one of the hands fishing around the cage. How it doesn't just cut Amanda in half, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, the Spinosaur pulls the cage and it begins to come free of the boat. Uh, Ellie comes into the backyard and finds Charlie standing there uh, holding the phone. So somehow, during the whole this, Charlie's ran outside <laughs> and gone into the backyard and Ellie hasn't used the front door. She's walked around the side gate, obviously, into the backyard again and finds Charlie standing there. But um, she asks who's on the phone and Charlie replies to the dinosaur man and excitedly she picks up the phone and uh, says Alan. But uh, inside the cage, Alan looks about himself and he yells, uh, look in the boxes, find a weapon, which... Up until this point, we never knew there was any boxes in the cage. But uh, no. there's some stuff in there because they start foraging around. Uh, in looks, like a, looks like a pair of pliers, um, a, I don't know, a flashlight? I can't really tell what, what it, blue, one of the things is. Yeah, it looks like a blue rubber or plastic flashlight in there as well. Yeah. Some sort of silver canister, which could be a fuel filter or something. I've got no idea <laughs> what that is. Yeah. It's an odd assortment of items to be in a box. Yeah, flare gun, which yeah. is important to the plot. Yeah, yep, yep. It's always and, a flare gun. <laughs> <laughs> and a little black uh, bungee strap there as well, which is on the bottom of the cage, whether that's yeah. for the cage itself well, there's, or... There's two bungee straps. There's the black one, and then there's an orange one that's underneath the flare gun. Hmm. Yeah, so I wonder if that's just something for production, because <laughs> you wouldn't think that rubber would last in the tropics for eight years, even in no. the box. 
But well, uh, it almost looks like it has a nylon covering on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we cut back and Ellie sort of walks inside and redials the phone. It's good here too while we're looking down at all this stuff on the floor. You can see the battered floor mesh of the cage, which makes it look like it's had animals in it before and it's been a fairly heavily used cage. Mm-hmm. And it's also got that um, kind of metal grip that looks like it's used for, um, like you, like it has a, like it's a, in the in the tropics you'd want that kind of metal grip for your rubber boots or rubber bottom soles or anything like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then suddenly the phone begins to ring and Alan calls out, "Where's the phone?" Um, everyone sort of looks about themselves and Paul sees it sliding along the side of the boat and. Everyone makes their way to that side of the cage, and we get a dozen, oh, half a dozen arms reaching out. Everyone trying to grab onto the phone as it slides back and forth. And as they, um, as they're doing this, we get a look at the front of the boat as the uh, the weight shift begins to uh, lift the rear, and those motors start to come out of the water as well, mm-hmm. um, almost Titanic-ish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the phone slides right into Alan's hand, luckily, and um, just as the cage is yanked off the front of the boat and into the river. Um, Grant hits the answer button and immediately says, Ellie, Ellie, listen to me. And Ellie can't make out what he's saying. But uh, she asks, Alan, if you're on a cell phone, which mm-hmm. we've all had those calls where someone's been on the phone, hands-free or something, with the window down, you just cannot understand what someone's saying at all with the noise in the background. Oh, my mom does it all the time. Mm. <laughs> window open, trying to talk on, a, on the speaker of her phone. Driving down the highway, can't hear a word. Well, I have the same issue of a couple of the managers at work talking onto their radios. They've got um, speakers in there, like earplugs in there, like a ear speaker mm-hmm. in, and then the the it's like a like the older hands-free where the microphone's on the cord, hangs down to your chin, um, eh. and they just sort of push the button and talk without bringing the microphone to their mouth. So you can hear when they're on because all you can hear is the machinery in the background and the tiny voice. <laughs> instead of lifting the microphone to the mouth and actually speaking into it so you could hear him properly. Um, so I understand what Ellie's hearing here. But um, she says, I can't hear you, and we can sort of um, hear Grant um, yelling into the phone in the background as um, she's trying to find out what he's saying. But he just sort of yells the river, and that's when the cage goes under. And uh, it sounds like he's yelling, save me here. No, I think he said the river is site B. Well, yeah, because we get that's what exactly what he says in the novelization, um, mm-hmm. which might again just be the uh, just how quick he's got to say it, and maybe the accent coming into it as well. But I'd always thought he was saying "save me," <laughs> like "save me, Ellie, save me," uh, <laughs> which is a bit odd, I must admit. But then, I know definitely my worst <laughs> worst nightmare of uh, the cage getting pulled in the water and taking everyone underwater with it, and we just get the last shot there as Grant sort of holding the phone to the surface one last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of you get that bubbling sound around it, which I don't know if Ellie hears or not, but she sort of has that worried look on her face and yells hello into the phone. And then the uh, disconnecting noise comes across. That's when she looks down at the phone, not sure what uh, what just happened, but mm-hmm. we look down at Charlie beside that table and he use, pulls those clawed hands up and goes, rah, where... We know the phone was disconnected after Charlie went looking for Ellie, so I don't know how he heard the Spinosaur at all. It, it's something added here just because we know what's going on at the mm-hmm. river, but Charlie doesn't. 
You're right. I for some reason I thought he might have heard the the Spinosaurus roaring, but now that I think about it, you're right. I don't think he ever actually did. Yeah, all that all that stuff with Grant and Charlie happened before the Spinosaur rammed the boat. Yeah, um, but it sort of just adds to the tension here. But I suppose we can go from Alan's cryptic message. If it is uh, the River Site B, would you be able to join the dots? Um, I know, especially from some of the fan maps and even the uh, the topographical map we've got recently of Sauna. It's a uh, it's a what do you call it? Mountains? No, no, when there's a lot of rivers. It's... Oh. Uh, estuary? Yeah. It's um, it's almost made up more of water <laughs> and rivers than what it is of <laughs> landmass. It, it's very it's very open when it comes to the rivers running through it. Uh, oh, yeah, it is. So it'd be hard, it'd be hard for uh, them to find. Maybe, maybe when we do get to the coast... That's not the only search party they've sent to a river mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, considering we, we've got the, the Navy and the Marines there, mm-hmm. as uh, spelled out by Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the that, I, I think what they call it is like it's the main, the main river that kind of, one that splits the island. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a river, it's the river, you know? Yeah. And I suppose definitely if, if if he did say Site B there, it's going to um, definitely tell. Fair enough, if there's been no animals on Nublar and everything's been focused on Sauna, then should know that um, it'd be Sauna and not Nublar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, people know about Site B now. You know, yeah. I'm not even sure if people knew about Isla Nublar, did they? Well, no, technically up until now, if InGen kept it quiet... We know yeah. we know that Malcolm was saying stuff to uh, newspapers and that about the mm-hmm. incident. Whether that's all come out after San Diego as well, mm-hmm. seeing that Ingen was lying about the whole thing, or if it was assumed that he was talking about Side B. Yeah, but then again, because we'll... yeah, there seems to be that confusion in universe too. You know, when we were talking about Udesky, he's like, "Wait, there's two islands with dinosaurs, or one, yeah. or?" And they they kind of just slip that past the audience. Yeah, and then they try and try and retcon some stuff for of, of, of Jurassic World. So, yeah. But even even if people knew about Nublar at this stage anyway in the film series, there's nothing left there. So they'll be talking about the island that had the actual dinosaurs on them. And it, may, it makes me wonder if Alan actually called Ellie and said, "I'm going to there." Because we have that large span of time where the Kirby's are talking to him in the bar, we're going to write all sorts of numbers on this check, and then we cut straight to the plane. Um, mm-hmm. We know he gets changed, so he at least goes home to get clothes. <laughs> He's not kidnapped from the bar, but <laughs> again, it's just another case where there's a lot of lot of time missing here, where anything could have happened. Yeah. But uh, now the cage is in the water and everyone's submerged, holding their breaths and. We brought up um, back with the uh, aviary where we had some of the underwater stuff where it was a little bit more cloudy and didn't look as much like a water tank. Here we have the opposite. <laughs> like every mm-hmm. time we see this cage underwater, it's a brilliant blue crystal clearness. Um, again, mm-hmm. on the uh, behind the scenes, you can see some shots mm-hmm. of Joe Johnson himself in there with scuba gear beside the uh, cage as well, just to 
reassure the uh, the actors because again, this is all them doing the stunts. Mm-hmm. The there's kind of a yes, but actually no kind of thing going on with this because being a rocky bottomed river, yes, that would mean that it would typically be clearer than a mud bottom river. You don't have as much sand or silt or mud flowing through the water. But when it's raining, the water wouldn't be as clear because the water is taking bits of dirt and stuff into the wa- into the river with it and clouding it up. Well, especially from the last minutes where we've seen the boat coming down the, the river towards the dock area, we've seen the canyon walls and we've seen from back with the aviary just how much mm-hmm. water runs down those canyon walls. So, yeah, there'd be an influx of water. Um, if the storm come from inland and not from the coast and all that water, all that rain's already fallen inland so you'd have a rush of water as well come down yeah. depending, depending on the size of the river and what the uh, what the catchment is for it as well but um, there isn't even debris <laughs> in this, there's no there's no little bits no. of grass or, or nothing floating around um, but uh, we, can, we can talk more about that next minute when we get the cage actually hit the hit the bottom of the water because uh, yeah up above, the Sponosaur appears to have forgotten where it dropped the cage and starts uh, rooting around with its nose in the water, trying to uh, mm-hmm. fishing around for it, which, again, Stan Winston was saying when he seen that, that animatronic just head submerged in water, whipping back and forth. He was just <laughs> amazed at seeing it in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can tell he's just like frantically looking for it because then you can see it start pushing its arms through the water too, mm-hmm. just pawing at the, wa- at the surface of the water yeah well it's already tasted human it knows there's more in there so but mm-hmm. it wants it wants to get to them but um, sadly it's a it's a shot that's re- replayed a couple of times too in this minute into the next minute as well it just they reuse the, the scene or just the action of it uh, sort of just moving its head backwards and forwards and we we had the same sort of argument back where nash was pulled from the uh pulled from the plane where it's clearly one of those animatronic movements of grabbing the leg swinging left swinging right then dropping it to the ground where say the CG model of the Tyrannosaur in Jurassic Park where it, it grabs the raptor or it grabs Gennaro off the toilet and does that full shake um, like an animal would do to try and kill its prey before it tried to eat it. But uh, going into the script, as the Spinosaur destroys the wheelhouse, Grant uh, stays one step ahead of it making for the cage on the front of the sinking barge. Um, but uh, suddenly hears the satellite phone ringing spots it mm-hmm. on the uh, side of the boat and about to fall in the water, but he dives for it and grabs it, so... He uh, gets a phone here before he gets into the uh, into the cage, and it's also described here as the uh, the barge is pretty much sinking. We know from back when they found it, the aviary that was already half full of water and not in the best uh, shape already, and just the Spinosaur attacking it and ripping the wheelhouse off has seemed to have been its final nail in the coffin of the, the barge itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, Grant answers the phone and says Ellie's name, but she can only hear the Spinosaur roaring, so... This is where she sort of hears the roaring sound through the phone more so than what uh, what Charlie would have and what we've seen in the film. But she says that Alan's name twice, but uh, is cut off by the roar and then the sound of someone screaming. So it's kind of a mix in the um, the storybook. It's a mix of the movie and the and this, mm-hmm. where um, Alan yells, "The river side B." And then the last thing Ellie hears before the phone going dead is the roar of the Spinosaurus, mm. which always confused me as a kid because I'm like, wait, the Spinosaurus doesn't roar before the phone dies. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you could also say, well, 
how does Ellie know that what it is? She would never have heard the Spinosaur roar, but I think the animal roaring is enough to uh, the yeah. Spinosaur. Dinosaurs almost kind of have like a unique sound to them that's it wouldn't sound like anything else on Earth, you know? Mm, yep, uh, true. Grant uh, knows. Uh, Grant then drops the phone, um, the dead phone, and makes for the the cage, which. It's sort of here in the script. He drops the phone in the movie. We see him sort of let go of the phone as it floats away. We've seen early in the film, Udesky get that video camera going. I don't think a dead phone is a useless phone. No. Yes, it was Udesky that done the uh, done the, the power up earlier, but they were all. Or Amanda was definitely standing beside him, watching him what he was doing. They have no idea what's further downstream, or even if later on they can explore this dock area and and find some batteries or something they could use to. Um, to re- to put some power into the phone or bypass the battery. Because mm-hmm. Paul's still got his backpack on, which we know has that lantern in it from early when they're up in the tree. So I just found odd that in both the script and the movie they sort of discard the satellite phone here now the battery's dead and not uh, not hold on to it just in case they can use it for later. In the because uh, in the novelization Grant does hold on to it, he puts it in his waist belt. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the Spinosaur lifts the rear of the boat, causing the cage to slide off the front and into the water. And uh, as the cage rotates in the water, it lands on the bottom door first, trapping everyone inside. Paul is able to get free as the cage sank to the bottom, which is the same as what we see in the film. We see him swim free as it's sort of rotating in the water before it hits mm-hmm. the bottom. But uh, In the novel, Alan tries to grab the, the ring satellite phone, but uh, the Spinosaur bites down on the cage and lifts it into the... or lifts it from the barge, so... In the film, the Spinosaur grabs the cage with its hands here in the uh, novelization, actually bites and lifts it up with its head, but uh, drops it back to the deck again. It's tossing everyone around inside like a rag doll. The Spinosaur continues to destroy the barge, sending it to the, uh, sending it and the cage to the bottom of the river. Mm-hmm. Before the cage goes under, Grant manages to hit the answer button on the phone, and that's uh, he sort of screams Ellie's name, praying it was her, praying... She had a uh, caller ID or Star 69 or some other blasted form of suburban <laughs> telecommunication technology that would give her a clue <laughs> as uh, as he was reliving his worst nightmare. So, again, like the script and like the film, it's sort of trying to allude that um, Ellie's sort of more going off the telephone number as to where Alan is. But um, mm. the sound of the Spinosaur roaring sort of drowns out Ellie's voice. And uh, as the water rises past Grant's neck... He sort of just yells, Ellie, sight be Ellie the river, which we, that's what we get in the film as well. And uh, as the uh, cage goes under, his head goes under, he jams the dead phone into his waistband and holds his breath. So it all pretty much happens the same way. We just sort of get some different uh, some different slight alterations here where in the novel, the uh, the whole boat sinks with the cage on. It's not pulled from the, uh, from the barge mm-hmm. like it is in the film. Yep. That's 73. No, it's not. Dave, that's 72. Nothing else to add before we get here for the day. Uh, no, I think we're good. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? No.
This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.